What's coming in 2022? You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The VoiceSam player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voiceam.com/markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voiceam.com/markscott. The Veopreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original everyday Veopreneur. Hello, and welcome to the Everyday Veopreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original everyday Veopreneur. Can you believe that we are coming up to the end of the year? Can you believe that we are literally just a couple of weeks away from the end of 2021? I don't know. There's a part of me that felt like this year was never going to end, but there's also a very big part of me that's like, no, this year can't possibly be over already. How How is that even happening? But here we are coming to the end of the year, and I thought it would be rather fitting to explore where we're going. So we're going to do that in this week's episode. Now, just before we get to that If you've been enjoying the podcast this year, and in particular, if you've been enjoying the new interview series that I've been working on, I would love to hear from you, and I would really appreciate if you would take a minute to leave a review. You can do it wherever you listen to the podcast, but in particular, on Apple Podcasts would be fantastic. I'd just love to know if you're listening, how you're feeling about it, if you're enjoying the episodes, if they've been helpful, so please take a moment to leave a five-star review for the podcast. So where are we going next year? What do we need to know? Are there trends that we need to be tracking so that we can be better suited for success in 2022? There are some things that are shifting in the industry, and I think there's also some things that we think are shifting that maybe aren't shifting as much, and we are going to explore all of that in this week's episode. Where are we going? What's it going to look like when we get there? How can we be better prepared? A big part of success in this business is keeping up with trends. My guest today has a lot to offer on that subject. He's the first-class pod-flying, lobster-eating, truckloads-of-trophies-winning voice actor and demo producer whose Facebook feed causes us all to drool and then Google the strange food names to find out what he's actually having for dinner. If voiceover had a president, his name would be J. Michael Collins. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, sir. I know where I'm going is wherever the lobster is and what it's going to look like is an absolute mess after I get there. It's so unfair because my dad moved to Nova Scotia at the beginning of the summer. And so he literally ate lobster like every day because he's like five minutes from the dock where the the lobster boats come in like he sees them from his back deck. And so he's buying lobster like so dirt cheap. And so every day he was just Sending me another picture. I'm like, between him and you, it's like, I hate you all. (laughs) Well, it's it's not like they don't have them where you are, right? Yeah, just not as plentiful and certainly more expensive. That's the problem. (laughs) Indeed. So let's talk trends in 2022. Now, I know COVID caused disruption to more than just the supply chain. We witnessed it shift spend in different genres. We had to adapt to new styles of reads to suit the times. Some of us saw clients disappear as their businesses shuttered. Some of us welcomed 
new clients as opportunities in different sectors opened up. Do you think we get back to normal in 2022, whatever the heck that is now? And perhaps more importantly, do we never see another script again with the word unprecedented? We're right here by your side. Um, <laughs> I always tell people the running joke when we did those spots, if the client wasn't in the room, was, and your balloon payment will be due in four months. But <laughs> It's so hard to make those sound sincere when you know oh that God. the people who are writing them really don't give a rip. Well, you know, the horrible thing is being a demo producer and an and unashamed opportunist, um, it was me and, and one of my engineers, we were the only two people to put out demos of pandemic spots in the, in the first month that it was a thing. And we booked off of those things every day for two months. But yep. those spots were so, I mean, they were, that's the most emotionally exhausted I've ever been doing voiceover, you know, which is certainly not, the pales in comparison to what the people who were on the front lines were going through. But good Lord, after doing four or five of those in a day, you just wanted to jump out of a window. Yep. And uh, so, yes, I hope those never come back. Um, but uh, now, you know, it's funny talking about 2022 and, and the future because it has proven so hard to predict. And I think I, I, I don't like the phrase new normal because I don't believe that this is normal. And I don't think that this is a way that we can continue to live. And I think it will come to an end. And I think it will eventually come to a relatively clean end. I think probably once these therapeutics are out there, the vaccines are good. I think the therapeutics in some ways are going to be better because they're going to, to be something you can take when you know you have it and that are probably pretty much going to guarantee you don't get badly sick. And, and I mean, they're just around the corner. So I do think we're going to go back to some kind of normal. Now, in terms of what that means for voiceover uh, and when, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I think a lot of us are surprised uh, or were surprised that it didn't already happen in the sense that I think last this past spring, we were feeling like we were moving in that direction and you were yeah. already starting to get what we were calling the reopening reads that were, um, you know, kind of like the original pandemic reads, but they were more positive. And it was like, you know, come back, the hotel's open and we're about to go bankrupt. Um, you know, and it, it was yes. trying to, Hilton had a spot going, the road is calling again. <laughs> um, you know, and they were trying to get everybody back out. Uh, and, and then Delta hit. And, you know, and, and then Delta started to wane. And now we're in this thing again where it looks like it's kind of cranking back up a little bit, particularly in the colder parts of, uh, of the U.S. and I would imagine at some point in Canada. So, you know, I, I think what's interesting is that as a voice talent who has a fair amount of agents, I get to see copy, you know, often two or three months before it goes to air. And, you know, as it's one of the things that helps me do my job as a demo producer, too, is I can kind of anticipate where the market's moving. And right now, the interesting thing is that it's fairly static. It's not really the scripts that we're seeing today for, you know, air in a month or two months or three months are awfully similar to what we've been seeing, you know, since we kind of eased into this weird place we are in the in the summer of 2020. So in the short term, do I think there are going to be any major changes, especially as cases start to go back up a little bit? I don't. Um, but I think once we get into you know, hopefully in the spring and the therapeutics are out. And at that point, we're really starting to put this in the rearview mirror. I don't think it's going to be as dramatic as we thought it would have been over the summer of this past year and into the fall if, if things had really gotten back to normal and everything was good and Delta hadn't happened. Um, I think it'll be more subtle. But I think that the biggest change 
we can anticipate is, number one, we'll probably be with commercial reads. And I think that what will happen at some point is we're going to get back to a little more sunshine in the reads. We're going to get back to a little more general positivity, to a little more of a celebratory tone. And dare I say, even maybe a little bit more sell and promotion if and when the economy turns around in concert with, uh, you know, with really putting everything behind us. But the timeline on that, you know, I've been wrong making predictions on that before, so I'm, I'm not going to do it again. I think for the moment, we're, we're a little status quo right now. I think spring, the only reason why that resonated with me, I know in particular where I'm at in Ontario, Canada, our provincial government said their goal is to have all pandemic restrictions lifted by the end of March. Now, right. three weeks after they said that, cases were spiking massively here, and now they're talking about you know whether or not there's going to be more restrictions introduced and all that mm. sort of stuff. And so, you know, it is, it's hard to predict, but it seems like from a government standpoint, I know here and, and I'm sure in other places as well, a lot of people are looking forward to the spring. And I think a lot of people are certainly ready to to put it behind us. And I am also very content to just bury unprecedented along with new normal, because that's yeah. another one of those words I don't ever want to hear again. <laughs> so medical narration was obviously booming for a lot of reasons during the yeah. pandemic. What about going forward? Is the workload going to decrease as we move away from the pandemic or are the I medical narrator is going to keep being busy? I don't think it's going to decrease, certainly not in the short term and, and even not in the short medium term. And the reason for that is that there's going to be a lot of postmortem uh, on this. And, and you know, look, COVID's not going away. We're, it's, it's not going to disappear. It's going to, if we're lucky with the therapeutics, turn into, uh, you know, something somewhat analogous to the flu in the sense that there's an over-the-counter or prescription remedy that you can take that's in pill form that will keep you from getting seriously ill. But it will probably still take its toll on on the very vulnerable. Um, and uh, and it's not going to just, just suddenly be gone. Um, so, you know, with regard to the, the worst parts of the pandemic, there's going to be a lot of studying going on. There are going to be a lot of papers being written. And there's going to be a lot of content and there are probably going to be new drugs and uh, new therapies that come out of everything that's learned. But COVID's still going to be, I mean, COVID's going to be there in 10 years. It's going to be there in 50 years. It's just going to be something hopefully a lot more benign. For medical narration, uh, it has been a, an insane ride from, you know, probably about uh, April of 2020 to this point, it, it tripled and it stayed there. I see it kind of maintain. I don't. I don't know that it's going to increase anymore from where it is, but I see it staying where it is now, which is three times what it was, you know, eighteen months ago, and probably staying there for a while. You know, I, I, heck, I I hope it goes back to where it was. I hope I hope we all lose the work because this is this is completely and totally gone. But I think it's going to be there in the background. I think there's a lot of people that will be happy to hear that, just because one of the things that I noticed was with the coaching that I've done in the in the last year, year and a half or so. One of the first questions that I always ask somebody when they come to me for coaching is, what demos do you have? So I can kind of figure out mm -hmm. where we can market them. And pre-COVID, one in 50 voice actors had a medical narration demo. Right. And and now in the last year and a half, it's like, I don't know, one in three have a, a right. medical demo and they're ready to market that. So all those people who invested in those demos will be ha very happy to know that there's still going to be definitely some opportunities going forward. Now, we talked a little bit about commercial I want to talk about six-second commercials because I think that's mm -hmm. something that has really grown in popularity. Now, I know it started primarily in the digital space. You see it on your YouTube pre-roll, all of that. But they're also becoming very much a regular thing, particularly in sports, I've noticed mm -hmm. it, like yeah. on broadcast yeah. television. So is that a trend that's sticking around? And how does that impact 
commercial demo production for somebody who's sure. thinking about getting a commercial demo done? It's interesting because it, it is sticking around, but I don't know that it has um, been as transformative as some of us might have thought it was going to be a few years ago. I, I agree with you. Where I see the mo majority of them are, are ball games. Um, you know, it's whether it's a, a, a baseball game where they're having a meeting at the mound and suddenly they go to a six second while they're doing that and they have the time, you know, or if it's a, a really short timeout in a football game, um, you know, or a basketball game or whatever it might be. I, I see a lot of those. You know, they're they're in pre-roll with some frequency, but uh, but I'm not seeing them in the wild quite as much as as one might have expected, given how hyped they were when they first came out. So I, I think they're going to remain steady because they have their uses. How that affects demos is interesting because we started doing the six second demo, you know, when when these became a big trend. And what I think that turned into more than anything else was um, really kind of a fast paced 60 second tool to show your range that, you know, had basically 10 clips at six seconds of pop and was really meant to demonstrate everything you could do in a fast hitting way that I think to this day, I will still always say that those serve as a complimentary demo, not as your primary demo. I just got off a, you know, a really interesting session with the state of VO and, and that's voiceover this past weekend uh, with uh, some of my fellow producers, including Chuck Duran and Cliff Zellman, uh, and then a couple of casting directors, Marilyn Wisner and Donna Grillo. And in, interestingly, the consensus there was that while there may be a little bit of a pivot especially in the online space, to single spots taking some measure of priority for search purposes, that if anything, the trend tends to be buyers wanting to hear a little bit more of a read these days to demonstrate that you can sustain it and that you can uh, that you can act. So how that impacts the demo, I don't think we're necessarily getting longer, although I think one of the, the great myths out there is that your commercial demo needs to be 60 seconds. There's a, a vocal minority that subscribes to that, but they are a very they very much are a minority, even though they're vocal. You know, the standard really is about a minute 15 or a minute 20. I had Pat Brady on a session at Mavo and she was, you know, gave 120 as her number that she kind of wants to see on a commercial demo. So you have a little runway there and you need to be able to demonstrate that you can tell a story and that you can, uh, you know, you can complete all elements of a read. They don't necessarily want to hear something in a blender, although it can be a nice way to show range. Now, I know I'm going to, I'm going to talk until you cut me off, but, <laughs> but one, one last little note. Where some of the six-second spots can really come in handy on a demo is kind of as palate cleansers. You know, if you have a, a luxury read, which often luxury spots often really are only, you know, six, eight, ten seconds of audio on a 30-second spot because they let the visuals and the production do so much of the work, that can be a nice little way to break something up. Something silly and wacky that six seconds can be a nice little way to break up a reel, um, you know, in between a couple of 15-second clips or whatever it may be. So they have their utility. I think, in, you know, instead of looking at the, the six-second demo concept, though, as, as a standalone thing, think of it more more as a, an ability to show range and as a complementary asset, they, they're going to play a role. But are they going to be a you know a revolutionary thing? I think maybe not as much as people thought they were going to be a few years ago. The other place where I am seeing them, or at least here, is some of the different TV networks in Canada. They have streaming apps, and so if you are uh, if you get those TV networks as part of your cable package, you also get access to their streaming app. And then when you're watching shows, you know, you want to go back and you miss last week's episode or whatever. You want to go back and watch yeah. it. You watch it on the streaming app. And I'm seeing like six and 10 second spots instead of like full-blown commercial breaks on the streaming app. So they're still trying to put ads in to monetize it, right? But they're those right. short six or 10 second commercials. And so 
it, I mean that I, I liken that I guess to online and YouTube pre-roll and same sort of idea. So there there seems to be a place more on the internet side of things maybe yep. than the traditional broadcast side. I of think things. that's absolutely right. The more internet centric it is, the shorter it's likely to be within within reason. Now you touched on this, and it's it's something that I did want to ask about because I I do see a couple of emerging styles in the production of commercial demos, and it's something mm-hmm. that I've noticed in the last couple months with listening to a lot of demos from voice actors where we've got the the kind of the the minute minute 15 you know there's maybe half a dozen spots in there that range from 6 to 12 or maybe up to 15 seconds long or something like that but then i'm also starting to see some demos that are fewer spots that are longer like some of them are almost like full spots and they're pushing mm-hmm. 90 seconds or or 2 minutes which is a very different trend my attention span says I can't sit around for that long, but I'm I'm very curious to hear what you think. I mean, I know you touched on it a little bit. Is this a new trend where we're seeing where you're going to have, you know, just like four 30-second spots on a demo or something? I don't know if they're going to be 430s, but it might be moving in the direction of of maybe longer reels and somewhat longer spots. I don't think we're ever going to get to where two minutes is a, is a standard for a commercial demo, but I wouldn't be surprised if we got to 90 seconds or so. Um, you know, it's it's uh, Mary Lynn was talking about this on on again the State of VO the other night, where you know she said that this is a request that they're getting now from uh, from buyers more frequently is that they want to hear talent demos that are sustaining spots um, and full spots. So. If that is a request that the buyers are making to casting directors, then that's something that's going to trickle down to demo producers by you know by by its very nature. So I do think that that's something that we're going to start taking into account. I, I think you know I personally were JMC demos. We have always kind of erred on at least having one relatively long read on on commercial demos, which I think to some of the sixty second crowd has has not been their favorite thing over the years. But you know again I think the trends are are bearing out that that's a, a reasonably good choice, and I think we will see. More of that now. Whether we're going to get to you know three and four spot demos, I don't see any reason you can, you can't do you know again if you if you need to do three fifteen or twenty second spots or four fifteen or twenty second spots, why you can't throw in a couple of six second quick hitters in there to again just just change the pace a little bit. So I don't know that it's necessary that it has to be four spots, but I uh, I, I there is some there's something going on with that, and it's definitely something that we're taking into account the way we produce demos. I think I'm assuming then this is why when you get agent auditions, they always want the whole read, right? Which I know that frustrates a lot of voice actors, but there is a method to the madness, right? It's not because they're trying to get your good audition and rip it off and, and, you know, post it. No. And, and at the end, at the end of the day, you know, if you're getting an a, a agency audition quite frequently that it, there's another middleman, which is the casting director. And what the casting director is doing is they're sitting down with a producer and they're sitting down with a buyer and they're putting those, uh, a lot of those auditions, or at least the shortlist ones to picture in many cases and letting them see how they fit in the spot. And then that's how they decide who they're going to cast. You know, we, if you're, if you're on online sites, we often tell people, you know, not to, not to read the full script, not to go crazy. Now, you know, there are instances where there where it can be warranted as well, but the, the general standard over the years has been not to do that for online casting sites, especially if you're talking about three or four or $500 jobs. But, you know, if you're talking about a, a campaign that pays five grand a spot, um, you know, through an agency, uh, yeah, you're going to read the whole thing because they're almost automatically going to be putting, you know, eight, 10, 20 of those to picture to try and get uh, the, the buyer's you know, determination as to which one they ultimately think really fits. So you do need to read the whole thing. And it can be it, it can be frustrating, but at the same time, you're playing for higher dollars typically uh, at that level, which means that that just kind of comes with the territory. It's a little more work, but it's also a little bit more reward. There's, there's method to the madness when they ask for this stuff. 
Mm-hmm. So, so shifting gears to animation, everybody wants to be Disney Pixar, right? <laughs> I want to be a princess. Yes. But the thing that I find interesting is when voice actors come to me, one of the first things that they tell me, I want to do animation and I've got so many voices in, in my head, you know, like I've got all these characters, which is, which is great. I've got some kids. We watch animated movies, you know, I'm subscribed to Disney Plus. One of the things that I've noticed is that there's fewer and fewer crazy voices and more <laughs> real, dare I say, I hate this word, conversational deliveries. No, no. So for the talent that's pursuing animation, what do they need to be thinking about as we head into to 2022 and thinking about coaching and putting together a demo and maybe pursuing that space? What's the trend well, there? I, I have a, a lot of voices in my head, and that's never led to anything but a padded <laughs> cell and a straitjacket. But uh, I digress. You, no, you're absolutely right. The trend in uh, – it, it's even I, – I should say it is even more pronounced in video games. Um, the trend towards what we would call you know conversational or uh, not overly animated reads is a huge thing in video games, uh, and it has been for a while. And I think that that is now seeping into animation where it's just a little bit less performative than it used to be. And I think that is it just is a continuation of the generational, you know, zeitgeist, the generational trend towards um, sort of rejecting anything that sounds just ridiculously deliberate or intentional unless it's somehow ironic. So, you know, this this young generation, the stuff that they watch, the, God, I, I look at the cartoons that Tom watches, and, you know, he watches some of the same silly stuff I did when I was a kid, but he also watches stuff that is, it's a lot smarter than the stuff I watched when mm-hmm. I was that age. And, you know, it's, and he's five. And, you know, some of this stuff is is quick, it's quippy, it's, um, it's well-written, but it's also uh, a lot less over the top than... Uh, um, even though maybe the graphics are are more over the top, but the actual performances are are not. And I think that just again goes to that that generational thing of moving towards authenticity and being real. And it's what that generation, what anybody really under thirty, kind of expects to hear across the board in anything that's being targeted towards them. So naturally, the reads and animation and other genres are are going to follow that trend. Animation, because it was so big and crazy for so long, you know, I think is one of the ones that's later to the party. On on that, but I, it's catching up. So when we're putting together a demo, and I mean, obviously, everybody should produce their demos with you, and, and then they win a trophy, <laughs> right? But when they're working with a demo producer, it's if, a question worth it asking. Simple. Yeah, right. <laughs> when they're working with a producer, though, it's a question worth asking. If there's a lot of character, I, I use that in like air quotes, but like funny voices, crazy voices, off the you know beaten path voices, whatever, but not some of those more kind of I don't know, what is it, dialed back, more casual, mm-hmm. conversational? Is that something that, that a talent should be asking about? Like, does there need to be a balance of both of those things in the reel? There does, and I think it's a little, again, it gets a little bit different with animation than video games. I think when we do, we do video game reels, they have a, a real gritty, very um, much more conversational vibe in, in some ways. A- animation reels um, are still are going to have a lot more acting than they used to. They're going to have a lot more dialogue than they used to, but they, at the same time, still will probably have one or two elements of over-the-top and play in there as well. We did uh, Daniel Ross's uh, reel, which was which was nominated for a Voice Arts Award, and um, you know a lot of that was compilation stuff, but uh, but it's, it's a really good example 
example of one that is able to kind of walk across all of those things and do, you know, do conversational, do authentic, but also he's got some character. I mean, hell, he's got Donald Duck in there, which is, you know, uh, as silly and over the top as it gets. And then a couple of others that are, are, are pretty aggressive, too. So I think animation will remain a little bit more of a mix, but the trend is there. And it's something that anybody who is producing demos, uh, you know, in that genre needs to be aware of. Speaking of voice arts awards, I guess that makes a really great point. We're, we're coming up on the, on the voice arts awards here pretty quick. I would think that paying attention to the demos in, in any of the categories that are winning voice arts awards, I'm, I'm guessing that would probably give a little bit of an indication of what is trending right now I, in yeah. any perspective genre, right? I would agree. And then at the, you know, the, the end of the day, the thing to think about with, with Voice Arts Awards, any award show for that matter, is that you're having um, these reels judged by the best of the best in the industry. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're talking about the top agents, the top casting directors, the top producers, the people who are you know living and breathing this every single day. And these are the people who are doing the hiring. So, And these are the people who are assigning talent to agencies that may change their career. So yeah, it's absolutely worth paying attention to. I don't just say that because we do well. I mean, we have many of our colleagues like Chuck, like Ann Ganguza, like Eric Romanowski. There are a lot of people in there who, who do well. You know, but what one of the things that you're going to come back to with demo production is that, and I mean, Mark, heck, you're a great resource for this because you've got a list out there of, of vetted demo producers and, you know, which I know <laughs> cost you a few headaches. But, oh my gosh. Um, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it's a great resource because the bottom line is that there really are about a dozen people you can go to in this industry and be secure in the fact that you're going to get good work, that you're going to get something that's relevant, that you're going to get something that is is current, and that you're not going to get ripped off, and that if you're not happy, you're going to get your money back. All of us who produce demos, we get so many stories of people coming to us, you know, having blown ridiculous sums of money with demo mills and with, you know, people who maybe are just producing in genres that they shouldn't be because they don't play there. Uh, you you know, look, I'm talking about how we do animation and, and, and video game reels. Guess what? If you're doing an animation and a video game reel with JMC demos, you're never going to talk to me other than via email. You're, we might do a consultation, but you're going to be working with uh, Matt Curtis and Chris Sharps, who are fantastic in that genre. Matt's our director. Matt's our engineer. Chris is our script writer. These are guys who play there every day. They have more credits you know, in, in, in one fingernail than I have in my whole body in those genres, and that's why you're going to work with them. I wouldn't presume to, to have my hands on that other than in a supervisory capacity. And we don't do audiobook demos at all because I don't know a damn thing about audiobooks. Yeah. So if you're working with somebody who is trying to produce for you in a genre where they don't either, you know, work on a regular basis or cast on a regular basis, well, why are they doing demos in that genre? Be careful, folks. Yeah, that's honestly, that's one of the reasons why I started allowing voice actors to book 15 minute consults with me through my website was just because I got so tired of hearing so many stories of so many people who got taken advantage of by demo mills or bad producers Mm -hmm. because they didn't know any better. But, you know, once you've already dropped a couple thousand bucks, it's almost too late at that point. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give people the opportunity to ask me first, and then I can point them to you or to Ann or to whoever so that we know that they're, they're getting something good. But don't ever make a list of vetted anything because it's just, <laughs> well, that's a, that's a can of worms. The, I did it twice, well, I was, I was, and, and that's something you do not want to open up. <laughs> I was just honored to be on it. Thank you very much. <laughs> so speaking of opening up a can of worms, does the political cycle ever end in the United States? <laughs> uh, it used to. 
Um, <laughs> and then, and then, and then something orange came along. We thought that after Biden got elected, it was going to maybe go back to some semblance of what it was prior to 2016. It did for about five months, a little bit, and now it's back to where it was, you know, at the end of last year. No, I mean, you've got two teams who hate each other. It's, it's a team sport. And, and at this point, it looks like it's, you know, getting to where it's going to be a fight to the death. As horrible as that is, it's very good if you're a political commercial VO. Um, you know, there's, there's, it's funny what happened with Trump because in, you know, 2016, pretty much everybody who did political commercials booked more than they did in 2015. But usually the next year it would go down to about 40% of an election year. Instead, it went up. Wow. And in 2018, it went up more. And in 2019, which should have been an off year, it was more than 2018. And in 2020, it was the most we've ever seen. 2021, I think, will wind up being probably 80% of 2020, only because the first five months of this year were relatively quiet compared to the last five years. But now it's right back where it was. And uh, the you know the recent governor's races went bonkers. Now we're already starting to see stuff for 2022. By the time we get into February, it's just going to be rock and roll for because the next cycle is so big and is going to determine, you know, the fate of the current administration. And it's going to determine the, the fate of really the way the country goes for the next, uh, you know, until the next uh, presidential election. So you're going to have, I forget that, don't quote me out of turn, I just did a webinar on this, so I should know it offhand, but I think they're saying $15 billion on political ads in 2022. Oh, jeez. Is what they expect to spend with as much as possibly a billion dollars going to voice actors. So that's one of those ones. Now, look, when, when COVID hit, everybody and their grandma went out and got a medical narration demo. Right. Now you're you're saying that, which means everybody and their grandma's going to be thinking, oh, man, <laughs> I need to go get a, a political demo. Is it right for everyone? No. You need to have the stomach for it. First and foremost, you need to have the stomach for it. Because if there's one, you know, I, part of my job as a demo producer is I talk to people who cast. Um, and I, I'm also a political VO. I, you know, I've booked like five, six political spots in the last month. It's something I do a lot of. And at the end of the day... If you talk to people who hire political voiceover, sadly, what they will all tell you when you say, what do you want to hear on a demo reel? We want to hear they can go negative. The attack ad is king. And if you if you can't be mean, you almost need not apply. And when I say mean, folks, and people have heard me tell this story before, but there was an ad not in this cycle, four years ago in, uh, in 2017 in the Virginia governor's race uh, in that cycle where the Republican candidate ran a spot against the Democratic candidate who had gotten a reputation for being soft on sex offenders. And the tagline on that, la- that ad, I kid you not, I was literally sitting in a chair and I fell out of my chair when I heard the spot come on the air. The tagline was, call Ralph Northam and ask him, why he likes pedophiles good night oh when i when i tell you it's negative i mean it's negative and you may not have to go there but if you don't have the stomach for the negative um you might as well not play the other thing about political is that at this point you have basically two choices you either pick a team and you stick with that team and you just go all in with that team. And if you're highly partisan, I'm not. I'm, you know, I, I have I have some positions that are to the left of Stalin. Um, I have other positions that are right there with with Ayn Rand. So yeah. <laughs> it's I, you know, I'm 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 an equal opportunity offender. I'm all over the map. Um I've got something that'll piss everybody off. So <laughs> um so I I, I vote I voice for both sides. There's some candidates I won't voice for, um, but I play for both sides. And you know, I've made my demos aggressive, but 
in a way that is more likely, I think, to elicit a chuckle than it is to elicit hate. I, yeah, AJ McKay, who's you know my my lead audio engineer uh, for JMC demos. I got him to laugh at my right wing demo, which which if anybody knows AJ, that's a pretty hard feat. You know, so you can either go hardcore with your team or if you play both sides, then you have to you do have to do a demo for each side. But at the end of the day, you need to make a choice uh, as to as to which direction you're going to go and stick with it. Um, And if you really are passionate for one side or the other, go with the go with the team you're solidly on. I just think they're all criminals and I'm happy to take their money because at the end of the day, I can donate it to the things I think are appropriate or to the national lobster fund which lives in my belly there you go i mean look it it's one of those things where there's opportunity there's there is money to be made there i i don't know that i have the stomach for it because like you said you're a nice guy mark you don't yeah you, you shouldn't do it. well and it's all negative like there's not even any like i don't it, canada's just as bad now it's just as much of a cluster fart up here and it, it's <laughs> like and it never so ends. if you say cluster fart yeah it, it never ends here that so same same thing but yeah you're right you do it it does take a special kind of of uh talent to be able to <laughs> you, handle you that. have to be like me and have no soul there you go <laughs> But it is something that is to be on the lookout for because, like you said, the the cycles don't really seem to be dying anymore in between. And, no, and now it's, we're it's, it's ramping back up going. again. You know, I, sadly, I mean, I think in America, to some degree, we all kind of instinctively know where this is going, and it's not a good place. Yeah. But you know, but uh, until we get there. It's it's you know it's going to continue to be a thing and I, it's it's hard because there there's part of you that goes God I don't really want to be a part of the problem yep um, and then there's the other part that sits there and goes well you know it's a job somebody's going to do it and if it's for something that's not extraordinarily offensive you know I probably wouldn't have done that Virginia spot yeah <laughs> but but you know if if it's something that's uh, that's that doesn't cross the line even if it contributes to the rancor. It's tough. And I think everybody's ethical line falls in a different place on that. And I respect the choices everybody makes with that. And I think people should respect each other's choices, you know, among professionals. But it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing. But again, you know, I mean, we're here to talk about opportunity and the chance for voice actors to advance their careers. And that certainly is a place where it can be done. The other thing about political is because of the fact that you do have to have a certain um, cast iron stomach for it that it remains one of the parts of voiceover that is still less saturated and and indeed is not as heavily populated with talent as you might think. And so it's a place where it can be a, it can be a challenge sometimes to get that first foot in the door, but it's one of those genres where once your foot is in the door, you tend to kind of run into the room and stay there. Yeah, that's, I've heard that as well. So all right. Well, there you go. So for 2022, if uh, you've got to put something on your wish list and you've got the stomach for it, maybe a political demo is uh, something that you ask Santa for this year. We're talking trends in this episode. And one of the trends that I have been talking about for quite a long time is a trend that is leaning towards the importance of being able to direct market your voiceover business. Agents are there. They'll provide you with a certain amount of opportunity. Casting sites are there. They'll provide you with a certain amount of opportunity. But there is a huge pool of buyers that doesn't want to have to deal with the middleman. They just want to work directly with talent because it's so much easier. Fewer steps involved. Your job is to be able to go out and find those buyers. You need to be able to market yourself to those buyers. And if you don't know how, I want to teach you. VoiceOver Marketing Playbook is going to be available again from January 5th 
to the 14th, 2022. This is the video course that is gonna teach you all the things that you need to know to get started with your direct marketing venture. I'm gonna show you how to find the leads, I'm gonna tell you how to contact them, tell you what to say, where to say it, teaching you strategies for social media, for email, all of the basic foundational principles that you need to understand in order to be able to effectively and confidently market your voiceover business. So again, Playbook is coming out from January 5th to the 14th, 2022, and you can get all of the details for it by visiting voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. That's voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. Now back to our show. Now, corporate used to be my safe place because it was one of the few genres where the word conversational <laughs> never came up in the directions. But even that's starting to change now. Should we expect more of this? Is this the trend going forward for all genres at this point? It has to be to some degree. Uh, I, I think corporate will remain one of the ones that is more resistant to it for a little while. Uh, medical also, for obvious reasons. E-learning is starting to give into it more and more. But the reason that it has to be a trend, and a lot of people don't really think of it this way because they think, oh, conversational. Well, it's these people who are on my lawn. Why are the children on my lawn? Mildred, why are the children on my lawn? And here's the thing about those children on your lawn. They're in their 30s, and some of them are getting to be in their 40s. And before you know it, they're going to be in their 40s and in their 50s. And guess what? They're not going to talk differently just because they added 10 years. They're still going to talk the way that they talked 15 years ago or 20 years ago when they were younger. Yep. So what you know, an older generation might consider normal is not normal for the next group of people who are going to be 40 or 50 or 60 years old, which means that by definition, the way that, that things are going to sound is going to change, and you have to keep up with that. You know, there, there is a, there's a fascinating way in the, the way people speak has changed in North America and in the U.S. in particular in some ways. You know, when I listen to teenage boys talk today, you almost never hear a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid sound like this. I sounded like this when I was 13, okay? But even kids who have naturally deep voices have adopted a lighter and brighter way of talking, and they've done it because it's what the 15 16 and 17 year old girls are attracted to. It's what they it's what there there is a movement in this generation, this younger generation, towards finding men who are a little bit more beta, desi more desirable than men who are a little bit more alpha. And it has changed the, the actual speech pattern of young people because it affects their ability to attract a mate. And I mean, that's just the most basic human instinct that there is. So, you know, the way people learn to speak when they're young doesn't really change over the years. It may their voice may mature a little bit one way or the other, but their speech patterns aren't going to fundamentally change over the years, which means that what we consider conversational and youthful today is going to be what a 60-year-old sounds like in 20 years. So there's going to come a point where not where we're no longer going to see people asking for Sam Elliott and James Earl Jones then. No, and <laughs> and even the James Earl Jones is a good example. I mean, because it's it's kind of in that movie trailer spectrum. If you go to movies now, you know, it's like one out of every five that has a trailer on it anymore. Yep. And I'm sorry, I should say that has voiceover on the trailer yep. anymore. And the reason for that is that focus groups of young people have told the studios that they don't want to hear in a world 
because it's too alpha. It's too authoritarian. And it doesn't resonate with them unless it's John Bailey doing it ironically for honest trailers, right? If that's still, I don't know if that's still a thing, but that was a really cool thing John used to do. You know, unless it's that, they, they don't, they don't want to hear it because it just doesn't resonate with them. And so, you know, that it, it's just a, it, there's, there's an evolutionary process at play here. And, uh, you know, what, what that means on a macro level or, or a sociological or psychological level, I'll, I'll leave to people with higher degrees than I have. But for voiceover, what it means is that if you want to get booked, you got to sound like, you know, the median voice to some degree. And what that is going to continue to mean over time is a younger, more conversational speech pattern, which in the future we won't even associate with youth. And it's going to continue to mean a more diverse speech pattern in many ways, too, as demographics change. And you just you, you can't fight demographics. I mean, that's a trend that it's hard to stay on it because it never stops changing. Right. Like the conversational thing, that's one of those things, you know, ask 100 people what their definition of conversational is. You're going to get 100 different definitions of it, which makes it even more challenging. But it is something that we have to pay attention to because it is something that is not going to go away. So moving from, well, I mean, this is one extreme right to the next. Let's go from the conversationals to the to the robots. AI is. (laughs) uh, Are you talking about? Yes. AI is a topic that is getting discussed more and more. It's something that we can't ignore. It is something that is not going away. I have said myself, I've talked about it in the podcast, that I'm embracing it as another potential income stream. So any thoughts on how AI is going to impact the market in the coming year? Sure. I I think AI stands for almost important. (laughs) Not Not quite fully important yet, but almost important. Well, I'll even go one step further, which is to say, I don't think it's a nothing burger, but I don't think it's a a whole lot of burger either. Um, I don't think it's a super something burger either. And here's why, Um, which isn't to say it's it's not going to be a thing. Of course, it's going to be a thing. I saw this thing um, from Disney the other day, and I forget exactly what the context was, but it's now this thing where you can, I think it was a voice actor who posted this, where you can go on and they've got this AI that'll produce um, C-3PO's voice or Luke Skywalker's voice or whatever it is, and you can get it to do messages or greetings or something like that. And it's like, and it's, and apparently it's pretty good, you know, that it's going to be a thing, but here's why it is not going to be as big of a deal for voice actors as you think. First off, is it going to change the marketplace? In many ways it will. Where it's going to change the marketplace in particular is the lower end of the marketplace, maybe to some degree the lower middle end of the marketplace. If you are doing e-learning for companies in India on Fiverr for two cents a word, you better change your business model in the next three to five years because that's going to disappear. All of that is going to go to AI. Okay. If you're doing YouTube narration for $20 a video, you better change your business model because all of that is going to go to AI. What is going to potentially impact, you know, what we consider to be real serious working pros who are working at professional rates? I think that we're going to see tags, particularly things like phone numbers, maybe start to go to AI to some degree. Uh, You know, I have a, (laughs) not everybody loves this series of spots because they come on constantly, but it's for a a sleep product in the States called Relaxium that I do the VO for. And uh, 
One of the things when I do those is that they're, they're essentially testing the ads out in a gazillion different markets at any given time. And so for the core spot, for each core spot, they're like 125 phone numbers to record. And I get paid for each of those phone numbers on a per spot basis, which is pretty cool because that winds up adding to, adding up to a reasonable amount of money. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, that is the, the phone numbers, I think eventually that that'll be AI. I don't, I don't think they're going to keep paying me for each seven digit, uh, or I guess it's these days it's a 10 digit phone number that I'm reading. I don't think they're going to keep paying me for that. I think that's going to go to AI. Do I think it will bleed in a little bit to e-learning that might be in the eight, 10, 12, 15 cents a word range? Sure. But I, I don't think it's going to take that over. Do I think it might bleed into some of the corporate work that's a hundred, 200, 300, $400? It might, it might take 10% of it, 15% of it, but I don't think it's going to, going to proliferate as much as people think, because at the end of the day, AI can only be as good as we are. It can never be better than we are. And the thing about AI voices is that, you know, I, I ventured into the behind the scenes of one of these, and I'm not sure if my NDA on that still applies, so I don't want to talk too much out of turn. But what I will say is this, which is that I think people underestimate the level of difficulty and complexity that is involved in using one of these services in a way that is going to come up with anything that is remotely good enough to use on a high-end professional project. There are so many permutations, so many different data points that you have to enter to make it sound this way, to accent this word, to do this sentence this way, to highlight that, that the vast majority of people who currently hire human voices, even if they try this kind of a service. They're going to get behind the software and look at the work that they now have to do. And a lot of them are going to go, well, why don't we just hire somebody who knows how to do this? Yeah. Why don't we just hire a voice, a human, right? If I were doing AAA video games and stuff like that, I might worry a little bit more because my concern there is that the people who create that kind of content are people for whom an AI VO interface is maybe going to seem like less work than dealing with a person. But across the rest of the industry, it's not going to be a nothing burger, like I said. But, you know, I'm not dramatically changing the way I work because of it. And, uh, you know, if I were, even if I were in my mid 20s, I wouldn't be terribly worried about it. Uh, I think we need to keep an eye on it, see how to, it, it evolves. But unless it can get to the point where it's getting into your head and uh, or into the head of a buyer, into the head of a director, and is able to ascertain exactly what they want in a matter of seconds, I don't see how it can be any better or more efficient than we are. I know, like I'm working on a voice and this voice is, and again, I don't know how much I should say based on it either, but I think I think we're five years away at least before I, I'm I'm going to start thinking, okay, this could start potentially taking over some of my work. Right. And it, it's exactly what you were talking about. If voice actors think that this is just a plug and play thing, I mean, are there are there plug and play applications of it? I suppose. But yeah, but they're do terrible. They sound great? No, they don't. Where I was looking at it was I am never gonna do an audiobook. Because I don't have the time, I don't have the attention span, I don't have the commitment, like I'm just, I'm not that guy. But if I could create an AI version of Mark that was good enough to do audiobooks for certain types of narration or whatever, then that opens me up to being able to do something that I was never going to do on my own. Right. Then I'm open to the possibility of something like that. But again, there's still a lot of work that has to be done behind the scenes to, to make it happen. And I think that's a big part of it. I think 
I well, think the, because the conversation is starting to become more prominent, I think that people are starting to panic a little bit more. And mm-hmm. and I don't think we're I don't think we're at panic yet. I don't I think, don't think we're ever going to get to panic. I don't yeah. I don't think, you know, it, look, if we if, if we get to the point where AI voices are doing our jobs, you know, AI is going to be doing so much other stuff out there that we're all going to be on universal basic income anyway. We're just not there yet, and I don't think we're we're going to get there in the, you know in the lifespan of of most of us who are, or at least in the career span of most of us. It will be a thing. It will be present. The other reason I don't think it's going to be something that voice actors should necessarily concern themselves with, though, is, you know, even what you're talking about, the kind of model that you're potentially making, having kind of sat in on the conversation on the inside of an organization that was trying to do this stuff, the amount of money that's going to be coming to voice actors from those models, I I just don't see with the numbers that they're going to charge clients. And all of these, you know, companies who are developing this content are kind of in the same ballpark in terms of what they're going to be trying to charge clients. They're going to be competing on on price. I don't see how it's ever going to amount to more than a few hundred dollars a month at most, maybe a thousand, you know, for for an individual voice actor. And okay, that can be supplemental, but I don't know that. I'm not entirely sure it's worth the risk. Uh, you know, if you if you told me, okay, you can make a model of your voice and it's going to pay you twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollars a month in perpetuity, well, let's talk, you know, as long as it doesn't encroach into too much of my other work. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that would be a conversation I'd I'd be interested in having, but I don't just looking at the numbers, the pennies on the dollar, they're going to charge for this stuff. I just don't see it getting there. It's interesting. I've been doing a lot of studying on AI just in general, reading some books, listening to podcasts and stuff like that. And I listened to one particular interview uh, it was somebody who was working in the AI division at Google who said that by 2029, AI will be smarter than humans. Like at the current learning rate for machine learning, by 2029, it'll be smarter than humans. And it was actually funny. The the one thing that they said, if, you, if you're a lawyer, you should be concerned because that's mm. one of the first careers that could be replaced by AI because it's literally just programming them with the law books, right? Reading law right. books and learning how to how to discern that information. And so there's so many different areas where this is going to come into play that I think are going to be affected before it affects voice actors. But it's that that conversation that too many people don't know enough. And that's why I think it's important to talk about, because I think that people are getting themselves really freaked out over nothing. And I mean, maybe well, I not love, nothing. I love this but... industry. I love this industry, but it's like every five years, something else comes out that everybody works themselves up into a lather over that turns out to be a mostly nothing burger. So the moral of the story at this point, AI is something that is going to continue to evolve. It's going to continue to develop. The technology will continue to improve even through next year, but your career is not over yet. You will be fine. So of course I, I might be a robot and I might just be a plant for the other side. That, so, that could be know, it too. The whole thing is just healthy a giant. skepticism is important. <laughs> so are there any other big trends that you see on the horizon for next year that you think that we need to be watching out for? Yeah, you know, I again I I kind of go back to the fact that we're still in this in this COVID interregnum, which is sort of uh it's interesting because it it accelerated so many changes at the beginning. And in some ways, it's now having the opposite effect a little bit. And I think that this is one of the the few times in the industry where we're all sitting here going, hmm, yeah, we know we know it's going to change. What's it going to change into? And, you know, if I have to put my finger on something, I think that eventually what's going to cycle back is 
we this has been I mean look at everything that's happened not just with covid but everything that's happened in the past you know was it 2021 in the past 5 or 6 years it's been so emotionally draining for so many people that i think at some point there's got to be a release and it's going to have to be a confluence of COVID being pretty much over, uh, you know, the economy's booming and they're not going the other way, um, maybe politics settling down a little bit somehow. If and when that all happens, I think I think Reed's full of sunshine and energy and maybe a bit more sell than we've gotten used to um, will eventually make a bit of a comeback. But I'm not going to say when because we've learned the hard way over the past two years that uh, that that in the world we live in now, you know, the best we can do is look a, look a few months into the future. And right now, a few months into the future looks, I think, a lot like it does right now. I think that's really key because I mean, if you had asked any of us coming into the fall or into the early part of the winter in 2020, if we were still going to be, you know, if we nobody would have guessed we would be where we are right now in, in 2021. No. I don't think. I think we thought that it was going to be long behind us and and things had returned to normal and, and here we are still trying to figure out what any of that's even going to look like. So, but we're all still going to need Source Connect, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the cyborgs are going to make sure we get a Source Connect implant. It's like it's like going back. It's like man, if at the beginning of March in 2020, if only I had bought Zoom stock, and and I'm if only you. I had been a partner in Source Connect. <laughs> I will. Okay, so here's one bold prediction. Um, and boy, this is gonna this might piss a few people off. <laughs> oh, great! Here um, we go. Here comes the controversy. Save it for the end. <laughs> I think people are going to be done with the online conferences pretty soon. I am. Um, I'm. I was already done with them after the first one. <laughs> yeah, and look, you know, they, they, the that's voiceover just put on a fantastic show this past weekend. They were they were great. Mavo knocked it out of the park. Vo Atlanta did a great job this year. The online component of One Voice I thought was pretty solid. Um, but if I just don't want to see people over Zoom anymore. No, and that's I, it. I don't. Right? And, you know, and and uh, wherever you stand on vaccines and whatever else, I mean, I've had three shots. I might get a fourth one on my trip to, to D.C. here next week just because I'm fat and every 40 year old on a ventilator looks like me. You know, but at the end of the day, I just want to I just want to lick people at this point. And I don't care what your terms are. It's like, I, I'm, I'm a golden retriever of a human being, and I think that in our industry, we there are there are the introverts, but they're in many ways extroverted introverts too. Um, there's just the desire to play again, and you know I'm glad Vo Atlanta's going back uh, in person. I really hope it's not actually the last one, and I just I think everything else will be back in person next year. And I I just suspect that you're going to wind up having everything overbooked and then flowing out of the hotel because so many people are going to are going to want to just see each other again. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that and I do not discredit the effort and the work that any of these virtual conferences have done because I know that they have done amazing jobs no, it's a ton doing it, all right? I 100% respect it, but I'm like you, I just want to see people. I yeah. just I just want to hang out with people. Like I am so zoomed out. I I'm so I'm with you on that and uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to to VO Atlanta and and getting in front of people again provided my government doesn't, you know, <laughs> lock us down again and prevent us from traveling. Who knows what's going to happen at that. See, that's why we can't make predictions because nobody knows it by March what's going on. Well, Jay Michael, thank you so much. There's a lot to a lot to think about, a lot to pay attention to and some definite trends to to watch out for. So if somebody wants to talk to you about getting a demo to fit one of these trends, you know, jumping in on the never-ending political cycle, et cetera. Where can we find you online? 
Ooh, I get a plug. Hey, cool. Uh, jmcdemos.com if you want to check out demo stuff. Uh, if you want to reach out, email is always the best and fastest way to get me, jmichael at jmcvoiceover.com. And I will post that in the show notes so you'll be able to see it. Uh, God bless you, sir. Probably by the time this episode airs, I'm guessing you'll have a few more trophies in your trophy room. Uh, Oh, I I never take anything for granted. At at what point do you have to get a warehouse? It is an honor just to be nominated. (laughs) I know, but hey, when you produce good stuff, you you got to you got to take a little bit of credit because we we know that you do definitely produce those first class demos. So, thank you so that. much for your time and for the wisdom you, for that you shared me, and for the insights into next year. We'll see. Uh, maybe we'll have to revisit this at the end of next year and see what what came true and, <laughs> see and how what, wrong I was yeah, about everything. <laughs> I'll, I'll have my AI version of me host the podcast with there you. There you go, <laughs> Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, and thank you to everybody listening. Uh, Always a good time with my fellow brother in the Society of the Claw. There are some things that are changing in 2022. There are changes that are coming in commercial. There are changes coming in corporate and the whole conversational theme. Changes happening in animation, video games, and all of this stuff is really important to pay attention to. And I'm so grateful to J. Michael for sharing his insights on the subject because if you're going to spend $2,000, bucks $3,000 on a demo or Hey, if you're spending even more because you're getting multiple demos done, you want to make sure that they are absolutely reflective of what is going on in the marketplace right now, but also something that is hopefully going to be able to last you for a few years as well. So all of these trends are important to pay attention to. And it's also nice to hear from somebody with the stature of J. Michael that AI is not something that we need to be completely freaking out about, at least not yet. So that was reassuring too. If you enjoyed this episode and learned some things about some trends that you need to be keeping an eye out for, would you let us know that you were listening? Take a moment to jump over to Instagram and share it in your Instagram stories. Share that you are listening to this episode. And while you're at it, if you could tag J. Michael, it's at J. Michael Collins and tag me at Mark Scott. Let us know that you're enjoying the episode, listening to the episode. Share it with your friends so they can find it and listen to it too. And I will make sure to put JMC's Instagram in the show notes as well, but it's at J. Michael Collins and at Mark Scott. Thank you for tagging. And here's to a very successful and trend-worthy 2022. Thanks so much for listening. I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday VOPreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The VoiceZam player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voicezam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voicezam.com slash markscott. And scene. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Vopreneur goodness? Jump online at vopreneur.com.